0: Going here. So, dear Lord Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, this weather that you're giving us uh, in the in wintertime, and it feels like uh, spring uh, already, Lord, and we're just thankful for that. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful for uh, just this class, for Passpoint, uh, for the fellowship that we're able to have, and the uh, just uh, how we can serve together, uh, Lord, and we can do that with joy. That's what we're going to kind of talk about today, Lord. And uh, Lord, I just uh, want to pray for Pastor Jason and page and their family as they're out uh, for a couple weeks lord that they're able to get some rest and uh, really just uh, to disconnect lord and uh, have that time uh, that they can that they that's well needed lord we all need it and uh i just so we're just thankful for them they're a blessing to us and to this class and so lord uh, just be with me today uh just uh uh, speak through me lord i just uh, thank for this opportunity lord and uh, i give you the honor and glory in jesus name amen Amen. All right, so uh, I'm sure we're one week from uh, many of us uh, last week, probably watched the Super Bowl last week, last Sunday. Uh, this game, was, of course, was a, an emotional roller coaster, as many of the Chiefs games are, right? Uh, you probably probably watched the game with your family and friends, and you had some good food and fellowship, you know, It's, it's it's always a good time, especially when the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, that uh, you uh, you make a thing of it, you know, and that's what we do. And so maybe you went up this week to get your Super Bowl gear. I know I did. I got me a t-shirt, you know, kind of had to. Uh, maybe you would find yourself at the parade, or at least watching it on TV, you know, uh, we all took part of it. It was all an experience that uh, brought joy to our life, right? It was, um, you know, brought something, it brought people together, and have brought happiness and joy in our life, you know. And I woke up the next day or two uh, just enjoying all the highlights and, you know, seeing all the sportscasters give all their different excuses of, you know, uh, why the Eagles lost and um, the, the, the ones that didn't pick the Chiefs to win and blaming the refs or whatever they did, you know. Uh, but basically, I, I truly enjoyed the whole experience of the Super Bowl, as many of us probably have. And, uh, you know, growing up as a Chiefs fan, never winning a playoff game. Uh, it's just something that, that we do. We, we truly enjoy. You know, we've won two Super Bowls in the last four years. And I woke up thinking, though, man, this was just such a joyful experience. You know, we had just a little get-together, you know, just a handful of people. And uh, we had some good food. And, uh, man, it was just a great time, you know. And I just was thinking, man, this is has so much joy. I'm so happy. And I was thinking, man, why can't we have this feeling of joy all the time? you know, and uh, I was immediately convicted because I just felt the Holy Spirit of God tell me, Am I not good enough? you know because we enjoy these things that that are in the world, and uh, you know, and it's okay to do so, but you know the, that type of joy. Uh, that true joy only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so I was convicted, you know, and, uh, because uh, the, if the Chiefs would have lost the Super Bowl, you know, many of us would have been moping around until September when football season would have started. Uh, and I know because I've been there, um, you know, I used to get unnecessarily mad uh, when the Chiefs lost because I was lost. Right, And I didn't have that true joy dwelling inside of me. and so I was I recently read through the Book of uh, Philippians, and I thought just man, this would be perfect to talk about that true joy that only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is a common theme that we see in the book of Philippians, and so that's where we're going to uh, be uh, both today and next week. I'm going to do this in two parts. Uh, But but a common theme of of Philippians is how we can have joy just in everyday life. Uh, Just all all the different things that we go through, all the ups and downs, all the struggles, we can have joy, true joy, in those things. And so the word joy, uh, or rejoice, or some form of it, is found like 18 times in the book of Philippians, and... It's it's a clear theme that's that's written through through here, and uh, it's a really interesting thing that we don't see Paul uh, giving a rebuke to the church uh, at Philippi. He he's not uh, correcting them like he did to the church at, at Corinthians of oh, Corinthian, and you know he doesn't really give any of those times where he's like you guys have messed up. So this is the churches of people that have brought true joy to Paul. So the book of Philippians was written around 62 AD when Paul was imprisoned. uh, And along with three other epistles, known as the prison epistles, right? So he wrote four letters at the time when he was imprisoned. He wrote Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and then he wrote the little postcard, Philemon. And so he he writes this letter for several reasons uh, to encourage them. Uh, And that he loved them and that he was praying for them uh, To update them on his situation That he was in, being incarcerated uh, To basically give them some wisdom and some guidance To thank them for the love offering that they gave And that they they continued to support him But ultimately, this is a letter that he wrote To show that we can always have joy in every area of our lives So today, what we have, we're going to have four things, four areas that we can have joy in, and we're going to get through probably two of the points today, and then we'll do the next two next week. You know, because sometimes it's easy to go through the motions of doing church because that's our job, but it's not because we have true joy, right? We feel like sometimes it's our job that we have to show up here Sunday morning, and that we have to... Uh, do all the things that we do, but we don't sometimes do it with the true joy. And I've been—I've I've been there. I've, I've been there. So, uh, well, the first thing that we're going to look at is in Philippians chapter one, verses uh, twelve through eighteen. I'm going to read the passage, and we'll kind of break it down a little bit. Uh, Philippians uh, verses twelve through eighteen, chapter one says this. But I would, you should, understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill." The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do and rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. So, our first point today that we see there is joy in sharing the gospel. Okay, there, a hundred percent. Joy and sharing the gospel, and what we see here, uh, Paul was arrested in in Jerusalem, and he was then held in a in a prison house, and uh, where he basically was on house arrest in Rome, and he was there for two years. All right, now he was allowed to have visitors. He wasn't. It wasn't like a a normal prison, um, but he was able to be an essentially. Uh, in his own quarters and, you know, have people still visit him. And uh, tradition says, and it's believed that he would have been chained to a Roman guard for 24 hours a day. For the the whole two years until he went to trial, he had a Roman guard chained to him. And uh, I can just imagine the amount of people that got saved, because I'm sure it wasn't the same guard the whole two years, and they did shifts, because it talks about, um, you know, in uh, an, an all the palace that that people are getting saved, in all other places. And so, could you imagine the the opportunity uh, to share the gospel with people? So with someone that they were chained to you for twenty four hours, I can I can only imagine. They can't get away. They can't go anywhere. So of course they're going to hear the gospel, and of course they're going to hear. Paul's testimony, which I can imagine me as being a prison guard and hearing the miraculous story of Saul becoming Paul, and just how he was converted and how wicked of a duty he was, and all the evil messed up things he did to Christians, and then he became Paul, who just did amazing things for the Lord. I, I just can't imagine hearing those stories. I'll just be so. Uh, cool, and I imagine when we get to heaven, we'll be able to hear all that. We'll be able to hear the whole story, exactly how it went. But uh, what ended up happening here is that the people that uh, arrested Paul, I imagine in their mind, they're like, Paul is done. He's done preaching the gospel. He's, he's done planning churches. He's done seeing people get saved. He's done making disciples. But it was actually the opposite. Uh, the, the, many people continued to get saved while he was chained to Roman guard for 24 hours a day. So sometimes when people think they're going to bring people down, they're going to bring us down, they're going to uh, knock on Christians, and, you know, God uses that for good. And he gets the glory for it. So the people that arrested Paul thought he was done leading people to the Lord, and it was just the opposite. So, and that's what it says here that um, it was a furtherance of the gospel. So what some people think is a fail, God uses it as a furtherance of the gospel. And in verse 14, it it talks about having this, this confidence this, uh, that other brother and other people were seeing this and they, they became more confident. They said, man, Paul is locked up. he He's chained up. And he's seeing many people come to the Lord while in prison, essentially. Why can't I do it? Why can't I have that boldness to go out and share the gospel? I'm, I'm free. And, but Paul is locked up, and he's getting, this, he's getting it done. So they were waxing confident. They were growing confident. And this is what I like to call confidence, right? <laughs> I've used this term before, but uh, when we when we share the gospel, we preach the gospel to people. You know, sometimes it's, it is it's intimidating, but the more we do it, the easier it becomes. And God gives us that confidence that hey, it's it's not it's not us that they're saying no to if they don't get saved. Because there's a joy in sharing the gospel, even when the person doesn't get saved. You know, even sometimes I. Find myself in a funk and I just don't feel like sharing the gospel. I just, I just, you know, that's just who who we are. I know I've been there, but when I'm able to do that, even when I just just don't feel like it, it brings such joy knowing that at least the seed was planted. Someone else is going to water, but God's going to get the increase. What we see in in verse fifteen, it says, "Some indeed preach Christ." even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. Now, (laughs) some people have envy and strife and contention. What what happened here is people were a little bit jealous. They were a little bit jelly. Is that still a phrase? (laughs) Uh, They were a little bit jelly about the things that Paul was able to accomplish while he was locked up. And and being in prison, you know, because Paul Paul led many people to Christ. He had many disciples. He planted many churches. And some people were a little bit jealous of what Paul had going on. But, you know, it wasn't Paul that was able to do these things. It was, it was because it was the power of God that was able to get all the work done. But some people wanted to start their own little flock and start their own church and say, oh, I led so many people to the Lord. I'm I'm catching up with Paul, you know? It's like now they're comparing Mahomes and Tom Brady with all the Super Bowl rings, you know? It doesn't matter. They're getting the job done. And so what happened here is they're doing it with the wrong intention. They're not going out sharing the gospel to truly see people uh, get saved they're doing it because they want to build up their numbers now the amazing thing is, is that people were still getting saved and uh, so even though the intentions were wrong people were getting saved and Paul rejoiced in that so I'm, I'm sure I imagine as Paul if, if you know put myself in his shoes in his mind thinking how he would think maybe I'm sure Paul would rather have people preach the true gospel with the wrong motive than with the right motive and a false gospel. That I I would rather see people have the wrong heart attitude about what they're doing for the Lord Jesus Christ, but have the truth be told and people still get saved. And, you know, I don't know, I'm just putting myself in in Paul's mind and in his situation, but... Because people are still getting saved regardless. He says, either way, they're, they're preaching Christ. It doesn't matter. And I rejoice in that. So even with the wrong motive, people get to come to the Lord saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this just goes to show that our motives doesn't change God's mission. Our intents doesn't change What God's trying to accomplish. And you know, that should bring us joy. That even if we do things with the wrong intent, God's still going to get the glory. Preaching the gospel, winning souls to Christ, doing ministry, going on missions trips, it should not be a contest, right? It shouldn't be a competition. We are not here to compete with one another. You know, there is no Super Bowl for preaching the gospel, right? But we still need to do it, but we should do it with the right motive, and we should also do it with joy. One of my favorite verses, and I I share this often, but I I really just love this verse, and I think God showed this to me, you know, maybe a year or two ago. For sharing the gospel, it's found in an uncommon place in, in Proverbs, but it's Proverbs 3.27. It says this, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thy hand to do it. What is the most good thing that we can share with people? It's the gospel. That's right, Caleb. It's the gospel, and what's in our hand to be able to do it? The Bible, the power of God, and so we shouldn't withhold that good from people. Every person has 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 the. Right, really, to hear the gospel, and we have we have the power to do it. It's in our hands to do it. Sharing the gospel is—it's not just about you know telling telling it one time at someone at school or at work. Uh, you know, doing street evangelism. You know, taking it to the streets, going door to door, and even going on mission trips, talking to strangers. You know, we should be doing all those things, but sharing the gospel is about having a lifestyle of sharing the gospel. It's about becoming, your conversation becoming the gospel. And that's what it says, if you look down at verse 27, I really love this verse. Verse 27, chapter 1, verse 27 says this, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel that that word becometh is the same word that is translated as worthy in three in a couple of different verses in Ephesians 4:1 it says i therefore the prisoner of the lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called in Colossians 1:10 it says that ye might walk worthy of the lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, and then in 1 Thessalonians two twelve says that you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto His kingdom and glory. That word becoming is the same as worthy. That our conversation, our conduct, our behavior, uh, the way we live our life, it should become the gospel. It should be worthy of the gospel, and that means we should be living a life of what the gospel is—of of a death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are we are we living that way? Are we living a, a, a life that we've been? We, we are dead to sin. And that we were we were buried and that we were raised in the newness of life, and now that we're living in victory. Because if so, if you're doing that, I promise you, you're gonna have joy in your life. If you're living that lifestyle and sharing the gospel and, the, and and you're letting your conversation become at the gospel, you're gonna have joy. There are many different definitions of joy in the dictionary. Different dictionaries, and you know, even the Strong's, and but my favorite one that I found uh, when I was doing my study in this is in the Webster's 1828, and there's like seven or eight different ones in there. But my favorite one is a short, simple one: "Joy is a glorious and triumphant state," and to me, that is it's it's all about a mindset. You know, I feel that. Um, the, and I, I know personally people that uh, claim Christ in their life, and they end up taking their own life. And and you and people always wonder, you know, well, how could they do that if they're they're a true believer, they're um, a Christian? How could they ever do that? And you know, I think sometimes people just can't find the true joy that's in Christ. You know, they don't truly understand what that means in their life and I do believe that people are can be saved and and still never get that joy in their life and still be in a state of depression and and so I pray I pray that no, there's no one here that that no one is in that mindset that, that you're living in a glorious and triumphant state and so when it comes to sharing the gospel I know I've I I used to share the gospel with someone at work, and I don't. Then I just just don't know what else to do. Like I like the conversation doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, They don't really you know engage in it anymore. You know a lot of people know you know about my faith at work, and uh, you know I try to share it when I can. But I got a good handful of guys that. I've shared the gospel with and I talked to them and I've shared my testimony. And now I'm kind of in a limbo state where I don't really know what to do with them. Uh, because it's like if I kind of try to bring it up again, they clearly are avoiding me, they clearly don't want to talk about it. So what I've been doing lately is I, I've been trying to be intentional, just like we do like we have been here or Artland. I've been trying to be intentional about sharing the gospel, but I Also, building relationships with people. I got a guy uh, specifically, actually, if you guys can pray for him, um, there's been a lot of these little things that's just kind of already come up where, okay, this is, I'm going to have an opportunity. I know that, I know God is preparing it and I'm just praying for the perfect time. I don't want to just rush it. Um, But there's been little things where it's like, he, he sees my faith and I've shared a little bit with him, just... You know, drop on a few things, but I'm praying for the perfect opportunity to sit down with him and lay out the gospel, you know, share my testimony, whatever. His name's Anthony. He's a good buddy of mine. Uh, He actually came over to the Super Bowl party and stuff. And so that was a cool thing just to have him see just, uh, you know, some saved people uh, get together. We don't have to be partying and drinking and doing silly stuff, that we can still have a good time. So, okay, that's point one: uh, sharing the gospel. We have joy in sharing the gospel. All right. Point number two is going to be found in chapter two, and then, as you can imagine, point three will be three, chapter four will be four. So, point two, which we'll probably have enough time to get through, is joy in serving. So we have joy in sharing, and we have joy in serving. Imagine that. It's it's alliteration. Who would have thought? Uh, It's it's all that HBI, I think. Alright. So let's uh, pick this up in chapter 2, verse 17. And we'll read down through... uh, Yeah, I'll read down through verse 30. I'll read through the end of the chapter. It says this. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice, rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I may also be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are, are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him, that as a son with the father he hath served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send pre- presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with, the, with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I supposed it necessary to send unto you Epaphroditus, my brother, and companion in labor, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants." For he longed after you, and was full of heaviness, because that he had heard, because ye th- that excuse me, because that ye had heard that he w- had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord, with all gladness, and hold such a reputation. Because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. You know, to be to be a true follower of Christ, to someone, to be someone who is going to have a, a complete lifestyle living for Jesus, it takes much sacrifice. It does. It, and... That's the way it should be. At least, you know, sometimes in our flesh, it's easy to say, I'm just going to stay home and not go to church today. It's easy to say, I'm going to let that person serve in that ministry. It's easy to say, I'm just not going to sign up for that event. Because we all know we're a busy church. We all know that uh, there's a lot going on around here. Uh, But that to me just means that there's plenty of opportunity uh, for different personalities and different kinds of people uh, to serve. Uh, there, you can serve in uh, any type of capacity that you want here at Heartland anyway. Uh, but you know it takes that sacrifice to serve. It takes time. It takes your talents and your treasures to be able to serve the Lord fully. But it's worth it. And you know it's the least that we can do uh, seeing as he sacrificed his life for us, right? It's a, we can at least sacrifice some of our time and some of our resources. None of that compares to his life that he sacrificed for us. But so I know sometimes, and um, I, I think I was you know kind of talking to my wife a little bit about this that I don't want to get into a funk and I don't want to get into a rut and I don't want to uh, feel like. What we're doing is a burden, because uh, I know it's, it, it, it can happen. It can feel like ministry is an obligation, and that oh, I'm just doing it because it's just what we're supposed to be doing. And you say, oh man, I got to serve in the E wing again this week. Or oh man, I got to go to life issues again tonight. Or oh man, I have to start planning VBS even though it's February, only February. <laughs> uh, and I'm saying all these things because these are uh, things that you know we're part of. Because I don't want anybody. I don't want to make anybody feel bad. Uh, But, you know, I just want to make sure 100% that I have joy when I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ. At whatever I'm doing, at whatever capacity, I don't want to get into a funk. I don't want to get into this feeling like I have to do it, feeling like it's just another thing to do, put it on a checklist. I want to have that true joy that comes from serving the Lord. We see Paul here connect the Philippians' faith with sacrifice and service. And I know for me, that's what I want my faith to be connected with. Sacrifice and service. Because it's going to bring me joy, and it's going to bring you joy if you do the same. And so we need to have, we need to have that joy when it comes to serving, with, serving Christ, but also serving with our brethren, Right? And we see two examples of of men here uh, that love to serve. uh, Timothy, or Timotheus, if you will, and Epaphroditus. And so we're just going to kind of talk about these guys, wrap this up a little bit here. So Timothy, uh, we see in verse 19, uh, starting out. uh, You know, we all all know Timothy. Most of us know Timothy. uh, It was Paul's most... Uh, beloved and closest disciple. This guy, Paul calls him in several passages, he calls him a brother, he, he calls him a work fellow, he calls him a beloved son, and another somebody calls him a dearly beloved son, and he calls him his own son in the faith. Not that it was his biological son, but it was that he led Timothy to the Lord, he discipled him, he uh, trained him up as a pastor, he did he he did life with them, and so this was a true and sincere relationship. And I know many of us here have those kind of relationships with people in the church. And uh, you know, it's a, it's an amazing thing, whether it's your disciple or your disciplee. You know, you're just a brother or sister in Christ, your brethren. But man, there's joy in serving with these people. You know, I can name several names, and I'm not going to because I'll, I'll probably miss people, but. You know, I got people in my life that I just, you know, I just look up and I'm like, man, we're we're in it, we're serving together, and it's just awesome, and uh, I'm I'm thankful for it. You know, so so like I said, of course, there's joy in serving Christ, but there's something even special about doing it collectively as as the body of Christ. In verses twenty uh, 21, what we see we see uh, that Paul is going to send uh, Timothy. And he made sure to send the best man for the job, you know someone who was going to truly care for the flock and he was going to truly make sure that uh, they were in a in a good spot. And uh, Paul knew uh, that that this wasn't common among all Christ- that, that all all that served Christ because he says, how does he say it? He says, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. And then verse 21. And this is a sad thing. This is something that I think we should be, be mindful of. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Jesus Christ. And so it's sad that even as Christians, you know, sometimes we're known to seek our own <laughs> and not the things of Jesus Christ. And that's not the way it should be. Colossians three one says, If Ye then be risen with Christ. If, if you're living that victory life, if you're living that glorious and triumphant state, if you then been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, which Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Are we seeking the things above? Or are we seeking the things that are here on earth? And like I said, I know, like a football game, it's an amazing thing. I'm not, I, trust me, I was part of it. But that shouldn't be just our life. That should be... At at least second or third or fourth, we should make sure that Christ first is our life. Verse twenty-two, he says, "This is this is something for us to ponder on." He says, "But you know the proof of him." I'm talking about Timothy. Does do people know the proof of you, uh, of your character, of of who you are in Christ? And then we have Epaphroditus. We have Timothy, we have Epaphroditus. And uh, Epaphroditus is is believed to be the one who uh, delivered this letter to the Philippians. And so, uh, you know, he was sick and he's dying on his his deathbed, but uh, God, you know, preserved his life. And we don't necessarily, doesn't necessarily show that it was like a miraculously healing. He might have just had some kind of illness that, you know, he recovered and he got better. And, And to me, that just proves that you know, God does still does miracles, even though He doesn't do them in the same way uh, like He did in, a, in the Old Testament, the New Testament. That we see, you know, people still get better. And That's you know through uh, modern technology and science, that, that uh, the doctors and medicines that we have nowadays that those are still miracles. But uh, what we see in verse twenty-five, uh, he calls them he calls them a, a brother, a companion of labor. A fellow, fellow soldier and your messenger. So as a brother, I mean, that speaks as a, as a close relationship that should be enjoyed, right? We're not to have strife or contention with the brethren. He calls them a companion of labor, and that speaks as as a work that's greater than yourself, right? It means we have to rely on each other to get the mission of God accomplished. He calls him a fellow soldier and you know that speaks on a battle that needs to be fought. And we all know we're in a spiritual battle, and we cannot fight it alone. And he calls him a messenger, and that speaks on a gospel that needs to be preached. And that goes back to our first point. And are you sharing that gospel and are you doing it with joy? So like I said, this guy was on his deathbed and he's still willing and wanting to serve. That's doing it with joy. When you are on your deathbed and you are the, hey, but you're like, no, nah, I gotta, I gotta get there. I gotta do. I still got more in me. That's because you got joy. There's plenty of young, healthy people uh, in the church today that can't even fathom serving in ministry because it doesn't bring them joy. So we all know. We have a marker here. We all know the acronym. We probably all heard it for joy, right? We've all heard this. Jesus first, and then others, and then it should be yourself, right? We've all had that. We've all, you know. If not, that's a you know, we should put Jesus first, Christ in our life, and then other people and your family and stuff, and you should be last. And that's that's a it's a good model to live by. But hopefully you don't have the wrong acronym in your life, because if you do, that you're not, you're gonna get you're gonna get true joy serving in this order. But if this is your acronym, you're not gonna have true joy. If it's just only you. That's not joy. We don't want this. Not as the body of Christ. Not as servants of Christ. This isn't the joy that we want. So we got through the first two points, which is good. I was hoping to. So come back next week. I have two more points uh, out of the same book, out of Philippians, uh, that we'll be able to wrap this up. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and uh, we'll be dismissed. Dear Lord Heavenly Father God, Lord again, thank you for this, thank you for this day, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you uh, for just allowing us to-